everyone. Welcome to the podcast. It's Tuesday, July 26, 2022. Today I'm going to be talking about the Great Reset. Is it a war against the world population? Also be talking about nitrogen restrictions. Will this cut world food production? Also, DNA databases and genetic weaponry. There's also going to be a summer push, an end of summer push on the vaccine agenda. Also, additional headlines coming up. Rudy's Revelation. So we're going to start off talking about um, the Great Reset. It's a little revisit to the Great Reset. This is from June of 2020 from The Hill. Introducing the Great Reset, world leaders' radical plan to transform the economy. And this is from the National Review. If only it were just a conspiracy. In this article, again from 2020, from Andrew Studdiford, he goes on to write, but after noting the involvement of partners such as Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, IBM, Ikea, Lockheed, Martin, Ericsson, and Deloitte, Six Smiths doubts whether the Great Reset can be seen, as some suggest, as a socialist, left Marxist, or a global communist takeover plan. Fair enough, he goes on to say, not least because the Great Reset is, in essence, corporatist, not communist. The participation of companies of the type that Six Smith mentions is, in reality, the participation of certain members of their senior management using shareholder funds for purposes that have nothing to do with the bottom line and everything to do with the wielding of power within a system akin to a concert with the state if not necessarily the government acting as a conductor. He goes on to write, in the course of an article on The Great Reset I wrote, this was back in 2020, a hydra-headed ideology with origins in the pre-modern and very mixed past, sometimes benignly, it influenced the formation of the West Germans' social market economy and sometimes not. It was as important element of pre-war fascist theory. The different forms corporatism has taken taken make it tricky to define with precision, but they share a common core, the conviction the conviction that society should be organized by and for its principal interest groups, let's call them stakeholders, intermediated by and ultimately subordinate to the state, the individual does not get a look in. And he was talking previously about Ben Sixsmiths, who wrote for The Spectator, now, the reason I'm getting all this is Less into than 3% of you people read books. my upcoming book recommendation, reader recommendation, is The Great Reset, The War for the World. And this is a book by Alex Jones. It's a number one bestseller, and uh, it's only open now for pre-order because it comes in at the end of August. And this is going to be the answer to, obviously, Klaus Schwab's book, The Great Reset. 
So moving on to other news, we're gonna talk a little bit about nitrogen restrictions. So if folks didn't know, uh, nitrogen, um, chemical fertilizers, let's just say, um, chemical fertilizers, when they were introduced, increased food production around the world by some 200, almost doubled, and sometimes in some cases tripled the amount of food production from chemical fertilizers. Now there is a war on nitrogen because they say it is polluting the environment. And I'm not gonna get into whether it is or it isn't, it's sort of the thing about carbon or carbon dioxide, is, is it really an issue? And the problem is, is what they're doing is they're restricting nitrogen. And this is from Dutch News, What's all the fuss about nitrogen in the Netherlands? Nitrogen-based pollution is behind delays to the building of new homes and roads has led to plans to reduce the number of cows and pigs in the Netherlands and is causing damage to rare habitats. Here's what you need to know. Nitrogen, or N2, constitutes 78% of the atmosphere and is harmless to life on Earth. In a reactive form, it is essential for all life. All organisms need reactive nitrogen. What is nitrogen pollution? Nitrogen also can be highly polluting when some compounds like ammonia, nitrogen oxides, and nitrous oxide are present in high concentrations. Nitrous oxide is also known as a forgotten greenhouse gas. And he goes on to say about talk about nitrogen pollution. So what I'm getting at is as part of the green reset and sustainable development, they wanna regulate nitrogen fertilizer. So it's not just happening in the Netherlands, it's happening in Germany and it's happening around the world, all as part of the ESG scoring for countries that limit so-called environmental pollutants, even though as this article states that nitrogen is an essential compound on the earth. So this is from Progressive Farmer, nitrogen fertilizer application restrictions on crop ground went into effect in certain areas of Minnesota on September 1st, 2020. The groundwater protection rule bans application of most forms of commercial nitrogen fertilizer in the fall and on frozen ground in areas vulnerable to contamination. So we already have nitrogen restrictions in some states, including Minnesota. And this is from growingproduce.com, how California vegetable growers can adapt to new nitrogen rules. And this is from May of 2021. Growers in the central coast region of California produce most of the cool season vegetables for the U.S. from March to mid-November. After several years of multi-cropping vegetables, the groundwater in many of these coastal valleys has become contaminated with nitrate. Some wells have concentrations of nitrate several times. The federal drinking water standard of 10 parts per million nitrate and rural communities that rely on groundwater as their sole, sor- sole source of drinking water must purchase bottled water or install small reverse osmosis systems. So they're talking about nitrogen pollution. Like I said, I'm not going to address nitrogen pollution. I'm going to address nitrogen fertilizer restrictions. This is from the Heartland Institute. Ohio, and this is from 2013, Ohio EPA proposes phosphorus nitrogen restrictions. The Ohio Environmental Protection Agency is proposing restrictions on phosphorus and nitrogen amounts 
in state waterways, Ohio would be only the third state to enact such restrictions, joining Florida, Wisconsin, and so several U.S. states restricting nitrogen. And this is from uh, Business Insider. CropX Technologies helps farmer, farmers understand pending nitrogen regulations. And this is from Tel Aviv from yesterday. CropX Technologies, a global leader in digital agronomic solutions for farming operations, recently offered farmers in the Netherlands greater insight into how the government's new proposed nitrogen emission reductions will affect their farms. This helps farmers understand and prepare for the impact it will have on their operations and gives members of the general public and policymakers an easier way to understand the proposed nitrogen targets. And it shows all the uh, targeted areas. Nitrogen is a vital nutrient for crop and pasture growth, but causes ecological problems when too much is released into the environment. In the Netherlands, manure from dairy operations is a significant source of emissions and is the focus of the government plan for emission reductions across the country. And basically what it is, is going to be reduction in food production because you can't have one without the other. So if you reduce nitrogen emissions, you're going to reduce food production. And so are they hunger, hungry people in the world? Yes. Is the breadbasket of the world, Ukraine, under some stress because of the war going on there? Yes. So maybe this is a bad time to kind of institute nitrogen restrictions. And I think overall what it is trying to do is limit the world's food production. Moving on to the next story here, this is from the Daily Mail. You could take someone's DNA and design a weapon that can kill them. House Intelligence Committee member warns people not to share health data with sites like 23andMe because it can be used to program new bioweapons to target them. I've been warning about this, about Ancestry and um, 23andMe for some time because there's a, a fear that the DNA databases being made, they are such things, China does it, the US does it, um, and that when you sign the agreement with these types of sites, they don't guarantee the security of your DNA. So DNA databases are a problem. Not only that, because if DNA, if your DNA is certainly connected to your name or anything, uh, any kind of identification for you, you could be, there could be some serious uh, instances where Maybe somebody could design a weapon specifically just to kill you and spray it over your neighborhood and only you would die. That does exist. But uh, ethnicity-based bioweapons, um, race-based bioweapons, this is all where it comes from. So DNA is also like a fingerprint. So being in a DNA database is a violation of the Fourth Amendment of the United States and the United States Constitution. So what they were talking about here is Dem lawmakers, and this is from the New York Post, Re Representative Crow warns American enemies could use DNA tests to kill them. U.S. America lawmakers and military experts are cautioning Americans about the risk posed by DNA testing services claiming sophisticated weapons can be used, uh, can use that information to target individuals. They are now weapons under development and developed that are designed to target specific people. Representative Jason Crow, a Democrat who represents parts of Colorado, said Friday, according to the Washington Examiner. 
That's what this is, where you can actually take someone's DNA, their medical profile, and you can target biological weapons that will kill that person or take them off the battlefield or make them inoperable, blah, blah, blah. It goes on. People will very rapidly spit into a cup and send it to 23andMe and get really interesting data about their background. And guess what? Their DNA is now owned by a private company. I've been worrying about this for years. Axios chimes in and says biological weapons could target DNA food supply to U.S. lawmakers, say. Bi biological and chemical weapons have the potential to pose national security threat to the U.S. and the country is not equipped to handle a panel of lawmakers and military leader told an audience at the Aspen Security Forum on Friday. Why it matters, the COVID-19 pandemic underscored how globally debilitating and dangerous pathogens could be if deliberately engineered and released. Hmm, was COVID deliberately engineered and released? Why would Axios say such things? The reason is, moving forward, this is from why I never heard about bio weapons that use DNA to kill a specific person. They are a reality now. From RT, U.S. officials voice DNA bioware fears. And this is from Newsweek. This is back from February. CDC says 10% of COVID swabs sent to Genome Lab, raising privacy concerns. If you took a, a COVID PCR test, there's a chance your swab may have been sent to scientists around the globe for genomic sequencing analysis, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention says. In a tweet, remember this back from February, the CDC said 5 to 10% of COVID tests are sent to labs for mapping genomic sequencing. Genomic sequencing is a process used to analyze the genomic makeup of viruses. However, the announcement made by the CDC has sparked human DNA privacy concerns. Why? This is from NBC News. Is your DNA in a police database? Now, this is a discussion some of us were having way back in 2013. You can ditch your computer and your cell phone at home, but you can't escape your DNA. It belongs uniquely to you and increasingly to the authorities. Countries around the world are connecting, collecting, excuse me, genetic material from millions of citizens in the same, in the name of fighting crime and terrorism. And according to critics, heading into uncharted ethical terrain. Leaders include the United States, where the Supreme Court recently backed a collection of DNA swabs from arrests, even though it's unconstitutional. Why is it unconstitutional? A damning dissent. This is from the National Constitution Center from Jeffrey Rosen, again, from 2013, because some of us were reading damning dissents, because Scalia's dissent for the ages in the DNA case. Some of the Supreme Court Justice Anthony Scalia's greatest opinions have involved his passionate defense of the Fourth Amendment against unreasonable searches and seizures. It was Scalia who held for the majority of the court that police need a valid warrant before they could use thermal imaging devices on a suspect's home or track his movement 24-7 from a GPS. Scalia also written memorial, memorable, excuse me, dissents in defense of privacy, including his denunciation of warrantless drug testing for customs employees as a kind of immolation of privacy and human dignity in symbolic opposition to drug use. Yesterday, this is back in 2013, Scalia added to this impressive list of writing not only for his own best Fourth Amendment dissents, but one of the best Fourth Amendment dissents ever in a 5-4 decision written by Justin. And you got to remember that back then the Supreme Court was not in conservative control. 
Anthony Kennedy, who was joined by Chief Justice Roberts and Justices Samuel Alito, Clarence Thomas, and Stephen Bayer, who often sides with the conservatives in Fourth Amendment cases, the court upheld Maryland's DNA Collection Act, a law that allows police to seize DNA without a warrant from people who have been arrested for serious crimes and then plugged plugged a sample into the federal CODIS database if they want to be uh, to see if they were wanted for unrelated crimes. But they get to keep your DNA was the problem with that. Even if you weren't convicted of a crime, if you were only arrested for a crime. And then shortly thereafter, Scalia was found dead. I believe murdered. So moving on to our last story to cover here, NPR, why a push for boosters could make the pandemic even worse. This is uh, from August of last year. And what they say, the U.S. will start offering a third COVID shot to all adults vaccinated with Pfizer and Moderna, even though these vaccines still offer high protection against hospitalization. Sure, they do. But they go on to say that adding more boosters will cause ADE or antibody-dependent enhancement, which means that your um, immunity to the disease will actually be lower after the vaccine wears off. That's why you have to keep getting boosters, and each booster you get will have the same result. So your immunity will go lower and lower and lower. So you basically have to take boosters for life, or you could very well die or get very sick from these diseases. This, again, is from last year. Also, UK orders extra COVID vaccines for autumn 2022 booster campaign. This is from last year. Pfizer reportedly asked to supply 35 million more doses with final go-ahead for this year's program still awaited. So more, there's going to be another vaccine booster push this fall. So be wary of that. So in other headlines today from the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. leads globally in known monkeypox cases. Cases have continued to climb, surpassing Spain's reported count. Now this happened with COVID too. After the initial, everybody was watching the globe and Italy and look how COVID is spreading. Then all the attention went to the U.S. The U.S. has the most cases. Look at all the hospitalizations. Look at all the deaths. It's America's fault. They don't know what they're doing. And most people uh, cheered this on gleefully. And again, here with monkeypox, look at the U.S. Look at all their monkeypox cases. We need a vaccine. We need to do something about this. And John Camp uh, writes in his lead, the U.S. has reported more than 3,400 confirmed cases or suspected monkey or suspected monkeypox cases um, out of a out of a population of 350 million. Now I'm sure there are other um, diseases out there, communicable diseases that have more than 3,500 cases. Why monkeypox is even in the news, I don't know. Because it's related to smallpox? Because Bill Gates said there's going to be a smallpox pandemic? Becoming the country with the most known infection since the onset of the global health emergency, which since they changed the definition of a uh, pandemic, that now this is a pandemic. And this is from uh, Unheard. Ukraine government issues, this has been other uh, in other publications as well. Ukraine government issues blacklists of Russian propagandists and... This list includes a, nom, uh, a number of prominent Western intellectuals, including uh, Senator Rand Paul, Tulsi Gabbard, among others, and probably me too, because I don't, I don't trust Ukraine. I don't trust the war in Ukraine. Uh, I knew it was a provocation by NATO. 
You know, the whole thing was a provocation and it was all constructed. And now they're sending billions and billions of tax dollars to Ukraine and we don't know where that money goes and, and who it goes to and where all the weapons go. And, you know, and this is going to be another endless conflict with Russia. Again, from the Wall Street Journal, China targeted Fed to build informant network access data in the Federal Reserve. The investigation by Senate Republicans found that the decade-long effort included detaining a Fed economist in China. China tried to build a network of informants inside the Federal Reserve system, at one point threatening to imprison a Fed economist during a trip to Shanghai. I mean, people really have to wake up to this. It's you know, we're giving the store away to China, and that's what the corporatists want. They built a hybrid, uh, really, fa of fascism, a communist-fascist hybrid in China, an authoritarian system that they believe works and can be uh, exported worldwide and globally. So they are nurturing uh, China while the free systems and free states of the world like the United States, are being undermined. And this is from uh, CNN. CNN is exclusive. FBI investigation determined Chinese-made Huawei equipment could disrupt U.S. nuclear arsenal communications. In 2017, the Chinese government was offering to spend $100 million to build an ornate Chinese garden at the National Arbitorium in Washington, D.C., complete with temples, pavilions, and a 70-foot white pagoda. The project thrilled local officials whose hope to attract thousands of tourists a year. But when counterintelligence officials began digging into the details, they found numerous red flags. The pagoda, they noted, would have been strategically placed on one of the highest points in Washington, D.C., just two miles away from the U.S. Capitol, a perfect spot for signal intelligence collection. Multiple sources familiar with the episode told CNN. Again, multiple sources, quoting multiple sources uh, is not good journalism. But this relates specifically to what's happening in Montana and other places, uh, North Dakota, where uh, the Chinese are buying farmland um, that is suspiciously close to U.S. military bases, where they could set up listening posts and uh, listening posts and other surveillance. People got to get wise to this kind of stuff. So that's it for today. Hope it didn't drag too long. Yesterday went really long, went for a half an hour. Rudy's Revelation. Don't forget to like, subscribe, click the notification bell, and follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Get Our Minds. And we'll see you tomorrow. Oh. Also, coming up this week, Gonna have the first appearance of sorts for a reoccurring guest, friend of mine, lives down in Florida. He's gonna tell us what it's like to live in a free state. See you tomorrow. <laughs>